Celebrate the launch of David Rothkopf's new book, American Resistance, the inside story of how the deep state saved the nation by becoming a member today. This month, new members will receive a free signed copy of the book, along with the usual member benefits, including an ad-free listening experience, members-only bonus content, an invitation to join the DSR Network Slack community, and more. To take advantage of this offer, visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and select the option titled American Resistance. Upon successful checkout, you will receive a confirmation email with instructions on how to redeem the book. The book retails for $29, but is included with this membership option. You'll just pay for shipping. Please allow two to four weeks for shipping. Thank you very much. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the podcast. I'm your host, David Rothkopf, coming to you from New York City, because it's Thursday, the end of the week, and we are talking about politics. I'm also joined by Tara McGowan. She's the CEO and founder of Good Information and publisher of Courier Newsroom. How are you doing today, Tara? Doing really well, David. Got the jitters, the adrenaline and the jitters. Let's see if we can help that as we go on. We'll also be joined in a minute as we are for all of these politically oriented podcasts up to the election by Simon Rosenberg, who's the president of Indiana New Policy Institute. He'll be popping on in a moment. And we have a special guest. And our special guest is Cecile Richards. Cecile is the co-founder of Supermajority and the former president of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. And so obviously one of the things we want to talk to Cecile about is the role that the abortion issue and women are going to play in the upcoming election. And to kick us off in that direction, Tara, first question to you. Sure. Hi, Cecile. Welcome. Hey, Tara. Yeah, good to see you. And David, good to be with you again. You too, especially um, in the uh, in the final, the very final sprint that we're in. So thanks for making time. So let's just dive into it. Um, I have been uh, watching with a lot of hope and optimism the extraordinary numbers of new registrations and early votes coming from young women in particular across the country. We've talked about the role of early vote a lot on this podcast and certainly Simon's Twitter feed um, that David lifts up. But I've been really, that has been um, the segment of the population and the electorate that I've just been most excited about. And obviously think that it was it is in large part a reaction and a response to the Dobbs decision. And I'm curious if you think that it is going to be the surge that it looks like it could be and what that means for the midterms. I don't know all the things you've, sounds like you've covered a lot of the things that I've really been obsessing about too, which is, of course, immediately following the Dobbs decision, we saw just an explosion of new voter registration among women in particular. And as you say, young women, you know, the state of Pennsylvania always jumps out as a place where we saw so many young women um, 
rush to get registered. And as we know, in a midterm election, it's all about who turns out since millions of people don't vote in midterm elections. And so if we can, in fact, increase voter turnout, particularly among young people who are less reliable or sometimes they're first-time voters and haven't been through the process before, that can really make the difference. And as you know, I mean, here we are sitting just a few days after this election, and we are in some really, really tight, tight races. I, I, I think the, um, the one thing that we needed um, going into this election was enthusiasm. And I suppose if there's sort of, we could boil it down to one impact that the Dobbs decision had, uh, it is a stark realization that the only thing standing between you and losing all of your rights to make your own decisions about pregnancy is who's it, who's your governor. And so I think, as again, as we're looking at states where Michigan, Pennsylvania, we could go down the list, Wisconsin, Nevada, these are states where everything is on the line. And it's, it's I think that the degree of understanding and awareness among voters and particularly among young voters is very, very high. So that makes me optimistic about, about what we'll see uh, on election day. Simon, how are you? Hi, Simon. Hello, everybody. Hello, Cecile. Hey, Simon. Simon, we, uh, we're just uh, sort of starting out with some questions for Cecile about what she thought was going to happen uh, next Tuesday. Perhaps you have a question or a comment and a question. I think Cecile's right. I, I caught the tail end of what she was saying that there's no, you know, just today the Navigator poll came out. You know, there's this ridiculous meme about how abortion wasn't a driving issue in the election. And if you look at the Navigator poll today among Democrats, inflation and abortion are the two top issues driving the election. And, the, and so abortion dropped as an issue for Republicans, but it's always been a driving issue for Democratic voters. And it's such a tragedy in some ways that there became so much noise about this. Of course, this is a driving issue. And we saw it play out in Kansas and in the five House specials. And I think that same energy is showing up in the early vote. I mean, the early vote is incredibly encouraging for us all across the country. And I, Cecile, I know you're on the ground and dealing with this. I mean, I think we should be optimistic about what we're seeing in the early vote right now. We are above our 2020 numbers in virtually every major state that matters, including Cecile in your home state in Texas, right? And I think this is, I think we should be, I, we, know, we know the Republicans are going to have a strong turnout. We, and the evidence so far is yes, we are. And that the, that the energy that we saw play out right after Dobbs ended in those House specials in Kansas are, are now carrying over to the general election. It was what we needed to make this election competitive. And I think we're ending into these final days in a very, very competitive place. Who could have imagined, right? It's kind of a miracle that we're here, but we've got to take advantage of it and do the best we can. I know you have really been uh, educating folks about how the polls can be so far off. And we all know that we're kind of going through this polling crisis, which is really no one knows what to believe. And I, of course, in August, that all the polling was wrong on Kansas, uh, just as one small example. I remember the night before talking to folks on the ground and everyone thought it's just, it's just going to be so close because all the polls are showing it's close. And in fact, we won that, that, that ballot initiative that would have allowed for, to, you know, the ability for the legislature to um, uh, criminalize abortion. We won that by 18 points in, a, in an election in which was a majority of Republican voters and a huge, massive turnout that was absolutely unpredicted. 
So again, this is a tough environment, as I think we've all been honest. We have, you know, it's always hard for the party in power. But the Dobbs decision, I do believe, it just was the most disruptive influence in a midterm election that I can remember in, in recent history. And the other, the other thing that Tara, Tara and I were talking the other evening about young people and just what an sort of untapped resource and what an important group of voters these are. We also know that young women in, I believe, in 2020 turned out 10 points higher than young men. And so I also believe that there was already a trend in this direction. I think the Dobbs decision, even though we know it is wildly unpopular with young men as well, this is not a popular decision with anyone, and particularly folks in sort of the reproductive years, but it is a real motivator for young women. No, I was just going to say, in it, we have a newsroom, the Gander in Michigan, and Michigan is also just a really interesting place on this issue in particular, because they also have a ballot measure on the ballot that, that got unbelievable signatures to get it on the ballot when it came out. And that also led to unbelievable re- new registrations in the state that are much higher than other states. And I just read today from The Circle, which does a lot of research on the youth vote generally, that Michigan is up the youth 18 to 24 year olds in Michigan, the registration rates of new registrants is 38 points above where it was in 2018. 38 in Michigan. It's incredible of 18 to 24 year olds. So I really do think that the polls miss a lot of young people. They miss a lot of infrequent voters in their data. And so we just, we really don't know what's going to happen. But I think Michigan in particular, abortion has never ceased to be the driving message there which is really good for the three women at the top of the ticket, hopefully. But one thing that I I was going to just sort of tack on to that part of the conversation was kind of the curiosity around this because of the numbers that you mentioned in Kansas and the ballot initiative in Michigan. What's so interesting about it is that it wasn't about a candidate, right? So do you think that that plays a real role with, let's say, older voters? So voters that aren't these 18, 24-year-olds that we're talking about necessarily where they might not, you know, be as strongly uh, motivated to turn out on the issue if it's if if they have to then bring it down to the party or candidate level? Is it just easier on the ballot? Or can you speak to that a little bit? Because I'm really curious about that. Well, I, I mean, we're going to learn a lot. And I think Michigan is kind of almost the perfect test case where that it, and I, I actually was out in Michigan to do an event for the folks that were doing the ballot initiative. They had 750,000 people signed petitions to get that on the ballot. I mean, and that was right, you know, it was sort of pokey up until Dobbs. And then the Dobbs decision was just like an explosion out there. And so I do think that, uh, and obviously I think you could probably correlate that with with the bump in registration. Look, I know from my years of Planned Parenthood, we used to have to beat back ballot initiatives at the state level in really conservative states. The, the two that always are burned into my memory indelibly were South Dakota and Mississippi. Now, these are states that you would say, you know, if you pull them, obviously, very Republican states, states that if you ask people, they would say they were pro-life because no one, of course, who doesn't want to be pro-life because no one really knows what that means. And yet in both of those states, we overwhelmingly beat uh, abortion bans on the ballot uh, that had been passed by the state legislatures. And so I do believe if this is kind of getting the heart of what you're saying, if, if I could do a national ballot referendum tomorrow in this country on abortion, we would win it going away, right? Because this people do not want government telling folks what to do about their pregnancies. They do. And that is only going to grow. I mean, that's the other thing, Tara. I think that the midterms are going to be one, one point in time, but this is not going to get more popular. 
I think the question is now, you know, when you, when you look at the two major issues being inflation or motivating issues of sort of what's in the mind of voters, inflation and, and the sort of extremism of the Republican Party. Interestingly, at least the, the research I've looked at is the number one folks, the number one group concerned about inflation are women. Why? Because they're the ones dealing with, you know, trying to feed their family, you know, put their, you know, keep their kids in school, take care of, you know, basic necessities. And so I do think there are these sort of competing pressures there. I don't think it takes away the saliency at all of the issue of choice or of the right to make decisions about your your own body, your own pregnancy. But I just do believe that women are kind of caught in a bind here. And of course, we know that women voters, maybe not younger voters as much, these new voters we're talking about, but women who have been basically bearing the brunt of now three years of COVID as caregivers, as teachers, as healthcare providers, as mothers, as as daughters, right? They are, this has been a tough three years. And of course, that's just the, those are just the optics of this election, regardless uh, of this topic. And I think just lastly to what you said, Simon, I do, I do believe a year ago, I don't think any of us would thought we would be in this place, given all of the, you know, everything coming at us. And I, the fact that the, the Democrats are competitive, so competitive now in holding on to the United States Senate, maybe even adding a seat or two, uh, competitive, really tough governor's races. This is, to me, a sign that there's energy out there that maybe isn't being completely understood. If you like Deep State Radio, you'll want to check out World Review with Evo Dalder from the Chicago Council on Global Affairs. Each week, our friend Evo, former U.S. ambassador to NATO, talks with some of the world's leading reporters and commentators from the Financial Times, Washington Post, New York Times, Politico, and Axios, to name just a few. Evo and a rotating panel of journalists offer in-depth analyses and diverse perspectives on the week's most important emerging global news stories and why they matter. If you are hungry for more context on world events making headlines, and you're here listening to Deep State Radio, so we think you probably are, you might want to subscribe to World Review with Evo Dalder wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch a live recording of World Review every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Central at globalaffairs.org. One of the things we're trying to do here is provide people with practical guidance that they can use as they go out over the course of the next couple of days. And uh, while talking about the trends is, is, is encouraging, part of that is helping people to visualize what happens if the Democrats don't prevail, if we lose in the House, if we lose the Senate by a couple of votes. If you were giving a brief message to the country or you were giving talking points to people who are out there trying to mobilize people and say, you've really got to vote. What's the picture you paint of, of, of falling short? Well, I've never seen a worse crop of candidates than who the Republicans have put up. And let's face it, this is not, the slate of candidates running are not the Republican Party. This is the Trump team. We don't have to go through the list of horribles, but you know, Blake Masters and Herschel Walker just being two, uh, I think, prime examples. So. They, their own words, are, I think, are, are, are frightening enough. But I do believe that certainly for women, and not because, again, men aren't, don't believe in abortion rights, just women tend to vote on this issue. 
we can remind people that it wasn't too long ago that Lindsey Graham announced and Mitch McConnell backed him up uh, their intention to introduce a national abortion ban. So no matter where you live, you're not safe if the Republican Party is in power. And I do think that's a really important message. And, and as my friend James Carville would say, they've also said they're going to cut Social Security and Medicare and just look in their look in their plans. And so and that is an issue that may not be on the minds of young voters, but um, women who are economically stressed. Well, frankly, anyone. These are issues that are incredibly important. And I do believe the Republican Party has been has very been very transparent about about what their plans are. I also think it's late now, of course, to be able to educate voters about what this Democratic Congress and this president administration have done. But the child tax credit was just one of the most important things that I think was achieved. No one really knows that every single Republican who's running either voted against it or opposed it. So I think that we also have to really contrast what Joe Biden and what the Democrats have been working despite very little, well, little or really no partnership with the Republican Party, they have really been doing everything they can to get our economy back on track. You know, 10 million new jobs created, lowest unemployment in 50 years. We got to acknowledge where people are at because people are hurting because of inflation, but also remind them there's really only one party that has a plan uh, for what to do about it. Yeah, no question about that. In fact, there's something profoundly hypocritical about Republican stance on inflation since it's not controlled by the president, it's not something that Congress can control, it's a global phenomenon. But if you look at the drivers of inflation, whether it's big business overreach, or it's the mishandling of COVID, or it's Vladimir Putin, the Republicans actually are on the wrong side of all of those issues. And if you look at the efforts that Democrats have been making to help people deal with cost of living issues, every time the Democrats say, well, let's help people pay for their medicine or let's help people pay for you know something else or let's uh, you know let's stop the gas gouging the republicans block it so that they're they're the pro inflation party they're not they that's it's not just that they don't really have a plan simon question for cecile or question or comment yeah no cecile listen i just wanted to from a stats standpoint we were talking about michigan the the biggest the state that has seen the hugest increase in the early vote from 2020 is Michigan. It's 22 points higher than it was, I just checked, 22 points higher than it was two years ago at this point. And no other state is more than 13 points higher. And so you're right. I mean, what you were saying about this galvanizing issue, it's very clear that this is a thing that is still, you know, seeing the biggest variance of the early vote of any of all 50 states, right, has been in Michigan. And I think we have to be we could have a very, very strong election day in Michigan at this point from what we're seeing. And I remain very optimistic about, you know, what we're seeing in, in the early vote. I mean, I think that the, again, I think for your listeners, the single most important thing I can convey is that this energy that we saw in the five house specials and in Kansas is showing up in this election. And we just didn't know if that was going to happen. And I think obviously Dobbs is the major driver of that. So this has been a silly debate in Washington the last few weeks about whether this was a significant issue. Of course it was. And Cecile, I'm just it's great to see you. It's just so you're just the way you're describing everything is just so terrific. And you know, it's a thank you for you continuing to stay in the fight after all these years. And but it really matters now. I mean, this is like the, this is the you know, this is an incredibly important time. And 
Any other thoughts for our listeners before you go? I mean, what else are you seeing out there? What are you most excited about as as you or things that you've seen on the ground? Are you seeing the kind of energy at the grassroots level when you're going out and being in the States? I mean, what are you seeing actually on the ground? Sure. I mean, Simon, yes, I am. And in fact, I would just I just got back from Minnesota where, you know, there's just a you know, they're they're dealing with some of the same horrific Republican ads and I mean just racist and horrible. But folks on the ground are how they're I mean, Minnesota, of course, is a it's a in the in the great spirit of Paul Wellstone, it is a contact sport, right? I mean, folks are on the doors. And I think one of the things that I think is sort of underestimated, we haven't talked about state legislatures and that's for another day. But I was so kind of blown away just even in that state, but it's not only there, the number of young women, uh, of young people of color who were headed to the state legislature um, in Minnesota, and they have their own posse. (laughs) They have their own group of folks who may not be only be paying attention to national politics, to what's happening at the top of the ticket, but that energy is really important too. And so I think it's as Democrats and as progressives, all the work that groups are doing to recruit and support a new generation of leadership is is going to be really important, not just next Tuesday. It's going to be important two years from now, four years from now. But that to me was like, I just, I kind of can't get over. And these are young folks I had never even heard of, but they're going to be in the state Senate and they're going to be in the, in the house. So I think that's, that's a piece of it. And what we have to make sure too is look, you and I have been through many, many elections together. Once, once we celebrated and once where we had to like lick our wounds, the most important thing to me, what, you know, we're going to win some and we're going to lose some on Tuesday. That's how it goes. The most important thing to me, especially with the young voters that Tara and I have been talking about. And I know that she's really been keenly interested in, we got to make sure they have a home that they are not left out there because a lot of these folks are going to get their heart broken for the first time. And we've got to say, look, this is, this is long haul. The reason the Republicans, the reason why corporations and dark money is fighting back on us, because we're fighting for like the future. We're fighting for things that are going to really fundamentally change issues of equity, of fairness in this country. And if, if it didn't matter, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be after us and after our candidates. So I just think it's important that we don't all go back home, that we actually create space and create support and organizations that can keep young voters involved. And just to seal to piggyback on that, because we were talking about this the other night, I think such an important thing is that even if the worst case scenario happens, which it will in certain races in certain places, it cannot be a lesson for Democrats that abortion is not an issue to run on or to include in our elections. Like that would be the worst case scenario. And I really do believe the media has gotten this wrong by taking the bait from the right and making the conversation entirely about inflation. It's not that it doesn't matter. It is not as visceral for younger women. And when I'm saying younger, I'm talking about under 40. And this is this is the supermajority and the growing supermajority is is women in this country. And it's increasingly younger women who are getting politically engaged for the first time because of this and could very well turn into lifelong regular voters. And this is the issue that galvanized them. And so I just that is something that I, I lose sleep over. And we need to make sure, regardless of the mixed bag of the results, that that doesn't become an outcome. I think that's right. And just to tag on one more piece um, before before I leave you all, I, I think that's that's right. And in fact, 
the reason that you're seeing so many campaigns run against the Republicans on this issue is because it is so damaging to the Republican Party. It is, I mean, I just was looking back at the NR, I think it was the NRSC PowerPoint from earlier uh, in the spring where they're pleading with their candidates, just do not talk about abortion at all. Like do everything you can to change the topic. We know that this is, and they know it's unpopular, even with Republican voters and certainly with with independent voters. So that's right. We can't we can't let this become that narrative. And the other thing is, honestly, we can't have this a narrative being to blame women. Women are the way we're going to win. <laughs> the races that we do win, it's going to be because women turn out and the gender gap, as we saw in Kansas, as we saw in some of these special elections, the gender gap is big enough to help carry us over the top. And I feel like I have been through too many elections where women are blamed for the fact that the Democrats didn't win everything. And that's just, that's just like a, such an unproductive, unproductive chain, you know, sort of uh, chain reaction, particularly because if we don't reach all the women that we needed to this time, we got to do our own work to make sure we're in conversation with them. This is not because they're bad, bad folks. They may not, it may just be that we aren't actually talking to them and listening to them and understanding what, what's going on in their lives, which is the whole idea of supermajority. So I'm so grateful for all of you, all of you, right? I mean, here we are, we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to do the best we can. And then the next day we're going to get up and we're going to do it all over again. And it's just a real honor to be in this work with you. Likewise, Cecile, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. And, um, We will circle back afterwards and figure out what the next phase of this battle is. So this is normally the place in our podcast where we say goodbye to the folks who are listening in the general public who aren't members and say, hey, become a member. And, you know, it's November and, you know, getting to be holiday season and becoming a member is so much better now. Because if you sign up to become a member now, you get a copy of my book, American Resistance, signed by me. Now, that's incredibly exciting and a free book. I mean, it practically just pays for itself. So if, uh, if, if that's appealing to you or you're having trouble sleeping, maybe the book will help with that. Try it for whatever reason, but become a member. And for those of you who are members, stand by. We'll continue this conversation in one moment. 